0: Hi everybody, and welcome along to the Endland Sales podcast. I hope up how oh, well who's watching, I'm going to watch along later on as well. Hi, you, Anthony.
1: I'm very good, mate. Very good. Uh, we were just saying off air that um, the usual kind of setups were being uh, swapped about a bit this week, but it works out. So it worked out well for everybody. But we're just like Brendan, just utilising the squad as best we can.
0: Rotation, mate. It's all about rotation and keeping the squad fresh, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Anthony's up on the Friday it. team, night.
1: It's a very um, it's a very sober effort for me to, uh, for a Friday night, but uh, aye, I'll um, certainly get as good as I get.
0: Well, I mean, mate, I'm on the water like last week. I remember I <laughs> used to sit here every Friday and get absolutely radarst usually, and <laughs> it hasn't happened in a while, but sure. I do want to make people... There's
1: the corner, I'm sure.
0: Oh, yes, there is. There are 100% is. The Super 6 is back. This is the leaderboard as it stands. Kieran is still out in front on 122 points. Mark Robertson, Sagan. Anthony... You're there in third, 10, with Kevin Gallagher, Jimmy McIntyre, 5th, Stephen Coltart, 6th, William Dobbin, 7th, Alistair Jack, 8th, and Ryan Taylor, 9th. And I think Franny rounds off the top 10, you just can't quite see it there because of the banner. So everyone get involved this weekend, get your scores in nice and early. And Stephen... Called I'm sure your prize is on the way, Anthony. If you picked up his prize, up, buddy.
1: It? No, it's my it's my plan that I'll need to do with. It's just been a mental week at work, but i will um, hopefully liaise with Ross, and I can either and I obviously knew he was he was out last week, um. So I thought I'll no bug him on on a Sunday. Um, I might see if he's around. I might be able to try and pop up on Sunday and get it. If not, I definitely will pick it up at some point next week. So very very soon, Stephen. I think like we've been
0: telling everybody else. <laughs> it feels like we've been telling Stephen that for a long time, but it's coming. <laughs> Don't worry, it's coming. Even in the Jaden Corva, who are, who are in the comments already, and everyone watching along. And, Anthony, before we get into the game, obviously Champions League football, back at Parquet, we've seen the Lazio game, we've seen the farnod game. I mean, that, that famous word, competitive, and Celtic were competitive within the match and stuff like that. We've talked about that before. But what was your feeling getting into this game against the Fedigo Madrid? Because I think there are only two points or three points off the top of La Liga. I think they've recently beat Real Madrid and they've been free-scoring. Not like a Flatico team, but Diego Simeone seems to change a, a bit of that in terms of going forward. Griezmann, Morada, a, a like a top two that would torture anybody. But before we get into the game itself, how did you feel approaching it?
1: You know, it's one of the weird ones, Stephen, because, like like you say, you look, you look at the, the, the players that they've got, and regardless of what you think of Diego Simeone, and I, I don't think much of him, it has to be said, but you have to give credit where it's due. There's no doubt he's a He's a top class um, football manager. Um, there's no two ways about it, and it, it very much could have been, um, you know. But we have had a, a few bloody noses in Europe recently, um, and you know the recent times, especially in the Champions League, as we said. And certainly on paper, there was no reason to suggest that that it could well have ended up being the same on Wednesday night. Just like like you say, if um, if the you know the players got going and we weren't at it, it, it could have been a sore one. And I'm, but I'm not saying it behind sight at all. And I, I mean, I, I always try and stay positive anyway. And I, I did take us to you know maybe nick it two one in the super six, but um, obviously Ross called it um, right on Monday night. We had we had two two. He put
0: it. the he put um, the wrong score in the super
1: six. <laughs> oh, I know, unbelievable. But I, I, it was one of the it was a strange feeling because I've, I've been go- I've been into games before, and you think God, this this could be a sore one. Or there's times when you maybe go in and you maybe think oh, this mob are here for the taking, and it never quite materializes. I was never really on either side on on Wednesday night. I didn't go in. I didn't fear the worst. Then again, I, I wasn't thinking. Oh, listen, it, it could be. But I, I think maybe the whole the way the whole situation is with the group, where if we mm-hmm. have wanted to have any hope of um, having any kind of European football after Christmas, we had to pick something up. Obviously, a win would be great, but a point just with regards to how the other results are going still just keeps you in about, and you've got something on the board. So the fact of, I, I kind of just felt that. Because we had to, we would take some, I know it's, it's, a, it's a strange sensation, but I didn't really ever feel up leading up to the game that we would that we, it would be a sore one that night. And um, and lo and behold, like you say, I know it's our, our favourite word on this uh, on the show about being competitive and stuff. But the boys, they, they absolutely did. They rose to the challenge, and um, maybe on another night it would have been all three points. Um, Athletico at times obviously showed their class, especially second mm-hmm. half, but. Um, I think every every Celtic player has to you know take enormous credit for how they how they fared against what is. A, without, it, we always say that they are a top drawer European outfit. There's there's no two ways about it. I get that. Obviously, compared to their, their city rivals, you know, I always say, you know Real Madrid they're kind of like the Aristocats and Athletic are let like the run to the latter. You could argue there's a good argument to say that Athletic are almost like the Madrid version of Rangers. But you, mm-hmm. there's always, like, there's no two ways about it. They are, a, you know, only with, you know, skill and talent um, on show. But um, there's no denying that they're great, a great team in their own right. You know, they've won La Liga more than once, I think, in the last decade. They've obviously competed yep. in Champions League finals as well. And Simeone's been there right the way through it. So there's no, um, there's, uh, that. this was a top draw outfit we were taking on, generally one of the, one of the best. And um, we came away with a point on the board, and uh, plenty of plaudits as well. So um, after a few nights where we feel like we're never going to get over the line, and I know we're still not quite over it yet, but definitely plenty plus points to take for the game.
0: 100%. We will get into obviously the, our chances in Europe for after Christmas shortly in the podcast when we discuss the, the game and the result. And San Fran, players and crowd did the, the club proud. Um, Jed thought we would have got beat by three clear goals. San Fran was worried I wasn't going to come on if it got smashed, but it didn't turn out that way. Do you know what I mean? So, I'm here and we're going to talk about it. And to be honest, I'm like Anthony and San Fran there. I'm proud of the club and proud of the way they performed and taking that point as well. Albeit it might not mean much come to the end of the campaign, but it was a performance. I thought we were really again, stroke a luck maybe, Anthony, mm-hmm. one or two times, you know what I mean, to go our favour. But at the same time, it's, it's still a great point against a world-class team. And that's the type of... I put it on Twitter. That's the type of stuff, Like I love seeing in Europe. Just that non-stop attitude and never say die. And you keep going. The crowd was on point. And I do want to touch about, upon the crowd, obviously. You were at the game, Anthony. And for me, watching on the TV of Magranda, it looked like... Now, again, I don't want to go back into the whole intimidating atmosphere and down that road. But it felt different watching it on the TV. It felt like it was hostile. It felt like there was a lot of, I would say, heated. obviously there's needle between the clubs from the 74 game and, and we played them recently, 20, I think it was 2012, 2013 season, I believe, in the in Europa League at that time. But what was it like for you? Because watching the TV screens, obviously seeing all the big flags and, and you never walk alone and it wasn't like the, the party atmosphere it was against Lazio. It was just, as, as Roger says this time around, down to business and the crowd from the very first minute were, were on top.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, I think obviously there's a, a whole range of, of factors, uh, Stephen. In terms of you know, yeah. the, crowd, the crowd were absolutely um, fantastic. Of course they were. Um, I mean, I, must have, I was actually in the ground pretty, pretty sharp on Wednesday night because um, I went through with my dad straight for work, and uh, we got parked up quite quickly. And um, I was humming and hawing, you no know, doubt. Do I go for a pint or not? And I, but I ended up I had an early lunch at my work, so I was absolutely starving. So actually uh, made the rare trip to McDonald's at the Forge uh, beforehand. So we were in the ground, I would say, maybe I would say maybe just before half past seven. So we've seen, you know, the players were out warming up and stuff and seeing the ground um, fill up as well. I definitely do think that, like you said, perhaps that kind of needle sort of came from the history between the, the, the two mm-hmm. clubs. And I think perhaps if it'd been a club where there wasn't that kind of animosity between, you know, and, I th- and by the way, I have to say, I think the way Atletico Madrid um, the representatives in the club themselves you, um, have needlessly stoked a fires in the run up to the yeah. game with a ridiculous decision to wear, um, you know, a, a commemorative shirt on the back. Here, I think it was one of the directors or one of their ex players made disgusting comments about Jimmy Johnston as, as, as well. So I don't think anybody was really in, in the mood for it. I have to say, I mean, Atletico took a, a healthy support. Um, I didn't. I sit in the, the, the main stand, so I can't really quite see. Um, you know, kind of what the interaction was like between the fans and stuff. But generally, the fans outside the ground weren't being, you know, the Lazio fans in a negative way made their presence known in, in Glasgow a couple of weeks ago. Whereas I think generally the Atletico fans, you know, it, it seems to be more an issue club to club rather than you know the actual supporters. Mm-hmm. The Atletico, with what I've seen, it seemed relatively, you know, respectable and amicable between the fans. So, so that's good to see. But, um, uh, yeah, and I, I think, obviously, I think there was a bit of apprehension with, you know, how would all the pre-match stuff go um, as well. You know, it was, it's been well-ordied. You know, the club's been having a bit of a to-and-fro um, one line between, the, you know, between the, the the board itself and, obviously, the Green Brigade. Um, mm-hmm. But that, that itself, I mean, I know we'll pro- probably touch on it. I have to say, you know, reg- I think sometimes these things can get made out to be bigger than what they are. On the actual night, I mean as I say, I'm only giving my own um, opinion. And as I say, I was in the ground early, so I don't know how much was going on outside as the kickoff drew closer. But you know, there was people, you know, some side saying that fact like you know the people were going to be getting harassed to to wave a flag if, if even if they mm. didn't want to, or there'd be that kind of peer pressure thing. I didn't see any of that. And likewise, people that did want to wave it, I didn't but certainly around my side and you know, you know, try, you know, your eyes are constantly darting around the, the stadium before the kick-off and I didn't see any kind of commotion or anything like that. I think people that wanted to wave it were given the, the choice to do so and people that didn't were, you know, the, the, from what I've seen, there wasn't any kind of, you know, tension about that either. So, and obviously the fact that we then, you know, like you said, the Champions League anthem and that gets the, the, you know the, the hairs in the back of the neck stand up, and the pulses racing as it always does. But then coincided with an explosive start, and then a, which carried on right the way through the first half. A lot of the off the park stuff, I feel like it kind of fizzled away quite quickly, um, and I think it all just became about the football. And um, mm-hmm. and as I say, like as I think it was San Fran that said it in the the, the the chat earlier that players and the club did themselves proud, and um, couldn't agree more.
0: As you said, I think a lot was publicised out of the events between the Green Brigade and the board, but before the match, statements to and from between each organisation and stuff like that. But I think in the Green Brigade statement, they said they weren't going to force anyone to do it. And like you said, Anthony, you were at the stadium, you didn't see anything of that nature, which I suppose is a good thing. Freedom of speech and freedom of will to do whatever you want, and that that's only bodes well going forward. Do you know what I mean? But I sticking to the game, even as I say, Go it's,
1: it's only, it, that's only my account, but not you know what it's normally like as well. If there' you know, there's everyone's got a camera and a, a video these days, don't they? On, on their phones, and you know what it's like. Genuinely, if there is big altercations, or you know, someone's always looking for um attention to you know record it and then put it up online mm-hmm. and. Uh, literally haven't seen anything Um as i say i mean don't don't get me wrong it's not like i'm on you know twitter or instagram all the time or anything like that but generally that kind of stuff would get seen and shared quite quickly if it was happening mm. and i haven't seen anything so yeah it seems to be a, a good night all around
0: 100 percent. and zed he's about to become a grander for the first time so Congratulations, Jay. Congratulations to your, your daughter and everyone involved, your family as well. That's, that's brilliant yeah, news, yeah. buddy. 100%. But I mean, sticking to the game, Corvo says it here, scales salting in at the back. We're going to come on to the defence. But I want to start with, you said we made an explosive start. Amphlie, that was quickly compounded with a fantastic goal. Brilliant bit of play, I think, all round. I think Alistair Johnson chips it up the Meta. Heads it in, I think they're Matt feet. Plays Kyogo in on the angle. Kyogo plays it back to O'Reilly and a sublime pass to cut through the Lazio defence. One touch, just cutting along the grass. Kyogo takes it in the stride and just dinks it over. A world-class goalkeeper in O'Black. And before we talk about the individuals involved in that particular goal, I mean, come on, for a Champions League night, that goal's fit enough to win any game. 100%,
1: 100%, and I don't think it's superbly to say that it is one of the best goals I've ever seen Celtic scoring, especially in, in a European um, front as well, and like you say, against the calibre opposition that, that, against, that we were up against, Stephen, it was it was absolutely, world class is the only way to describe it, the lovely, the wee chest control for Kyogo initially, to, and then, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think O'Reilly gives him it back, like you say, Kyogo, draws them out and but it's the pass for O'Reilly and the off the ball movement for Kyogo that takes it in and as I say I, I know one of the biggest frustrations last year, um not just with Kyogo but with other players but probably with Kyogo especially this time of year was the amount of chances we were creating in the Champions yep. League and uh, they weren't being taken and I don't know what it was the minute I seen that he had but obviously that the ball that O'Reilly had played reached him you knew it was in there just seemed to be that anticipation you were like no goalkeeper stopping us. Whatever he decides to do, whether he chips it, whether he just unleashes it, we he puts the laces through it, or, you know, just the lovely little dink that he did, you just knew that is that Celtic are going to score here. And it was absolute bedlam in the stands. It, it really was. So quite similar, obviously. We had an early goal against Lazio last year, um, yep. last game as well. Um, but obviously this came even even quicker. And it just kind of helped help keep that, that um, atmosphere going. And um, I generally as I say, up there with one of the best strikes um, I've seen, and I said that in our group chat as well, you know, if, if PSG or, you know, because they were in action that mm-hmm. night, or if any of the other, you know, so-called bigger teams had done something like that, it would be on the, the you know, the highlights reel for the, the rest of the, you know, the tournament probably, and it would maybe even be nominated for one of the goals of the tournament. Probably because it's us, they'll, they'll, they'll try their best to overlook it, but we were all there, we seen it, it was... Poetry in motion.
0: Oh, it was it was absolutely fantastic. The pass for me makes it. I know Kyogo's run off the ball, and the fact that he continued to run, but the way O'Reilly took that in in his path and does boom fizzed it into him, just perfectly with a pass. And you see players down the years, Chavi, Iniesta, Scholes, Pirlo, can all play them defense splitting balls. I'm not saying O'Reilly is on that level, nowhere near that level, but I'm on about that pass he executed for Kyogo was fantastic. And sticking with Matt O'Reilly just to talk about him in a wee second. I think Rodgers has took his game to a different level. And obviously, there was late transfer interest, I think, from Leeds. They had a, a £10 million reject, ten million pound bid rejected in the very last day of the window. Blessings, mate. God's <laughs> done us a favour there, keeping this guy. I mean, imagine he was playing in the Championship this year and not showcasing his skills in the, in, on the biggest stage them all in the Mall the Champions League. I think for me, look, I don't wish any player away. Mm. For me, he's going to break the club record fee for Tierney. I think he's breaking it. I think Fabrizio Morano put up a tweet this morning, I believe, saying that uh, he's happy and stuff, but there is clubs kind of circling around him and and they're talking about fees and and things like that. That's always going to happen, especially when he's breaking into the Denmark team, when he's scoring consistently in the league. He's making assists in the Champions League. And his all-round game, his fitness looks better. He looks leaner. He looks more sharper. He can cover the ground quicker. And he just looks like he's really enjoying his football under Rodgers.
1: He he absolutely does. Yeah, I mean, obviously... You know, I think the Daily Record and the other, you know, usual uh, cronies were quick to try and turn uh, a quite innocent comment from O'Reilly in the summer into a big mm-hmm. drama, yeah. into some kind of war of words between him and Ange. Um, and as they often do, they, you know, they twist facts and and try and create their own agendas. And I think, to be fair to both Ange and um, Matt O'Reilly, they they, they they knew exactly what the what the media were up to. Yep. And, you know, it was quickly played down, but that's I mean, not all, all, you know, players are probably in a lot of ways similar just to, you know, a, a, a workforce and in, in, in any kind of job. Um, you know, that what, what if they're led under a, a manager that move about, some people work or, or they, they feel that they blossom more under different approaches to management and, yep. and leadership. And Andrew's got his own style. It's you know certainly you know to the fan when you're watching it it's you know it's awe-inspiring when he gives those you know kind of almost gladiatorial type speeches um and pre-match and brendan uh, but he, i think it's from what i've heard certainly in training he was a lot more aloof kind of would just kind of stand at the side and you know keep his eye out for everything and um, brendan I always been his approach he seems to be a bit more, a lot more open um, but more you know democratics maybe the, the best word, allowing all yeah. players to express their feelings a bit more um as i say there's there's more than one way um to you know to manage a football team and um, but it just seems to be that matt blossoms more under um under brendan's approach and you know celtic are the the main beneficiaries of that so we can only we can only be happy and, and you're buying on stephen i mean for, for my sons we had Clyde one on in the car going on the way through and for reasons best known to them there's two guests on a Champions League night that Celtic were featuring in were Marvin Bartley and Kenny Miller so you know oh, for, for reasons lovely. unknown and um, a have been um, on my, my, my juice out when i told them say that um, that O'Reilly will definitely be gathering interest and in, you know, you're know you looking at a good 12 to 15 million pound fee for him, mm. I, I can only assume he was meaning a loan fee Stephen because he's certainly That's going to be crazy. going for a hell of a lot more than that, like you say we, we got him at an absolute cut price at when other clubs were sniffing around and that full credit to him by the way because there, there were Premier League clubs um, sniffing mm-hmm. about him when we managed to deprise him from, I think it was MK Dons wasn't it, Um, he's came up here he's made a footballing decision, he's been absolutely magnificent up here. But as you say, I think this is the best forum that he's been in um so far. And he's now getting to show that those talents, not just in the Champions League, but he's also broken in still to feature, I think. But um, you know, he's he's now in and around the Danish national team as well. So has his career's progressing. So it's only only natural, I suppose, that um that, that clubs are going to be sniffing around. Um, but if they want him, <laughs> they're gonna to have to pay. A hell of a lot of money for him because, uh, you know, that, that's the great thing about Celtic um, at the moment. A lot of the guys are, you know, tied down on, well, I don't know how long yeah. Matt's got right enough, but they're, they're certainly, I would imagine he's got the length he's his contract and definitely what he's on and his value on the pitch would um, imagine that we would command a pretty good chunk of change for him.
0: I've seen Alistair Johnson comment on his Instagram post saying £50 million flares, so obviously... Mm-hmm. They're joking about with him all the time in regards to that. And look, that's fair enough. I think for me, O'Reilly's just he's so elegant. And people compared him to Tom Rodgick at the start. And you can see the comparisons, but he's a totally different player than, than, yeah. than our Tom, the, the Wizard of Oz. Like he produced magic moments. And But I think O'Reilly for me is just a fantastic player. And I think we should all enjoy him while we still have him. Do you know what I mean? As Alistair Jack said, they're 1.5 million from MK Dons. MK Dons. Could you imagine being their chairman right now going. Yeah, that was probably a mistake. That was probably yeah. a mistake.
1: only thing I can imagine is maybe they've got, a maybe like what we do, they've maybe asked for some sort of sell-on clause, but but I yeah. don't know. But regardless, um, obviously Celtic will be the main beneficiaries of any transfer deal. Um, but as I say, it, it's the way that, that the cycle goes. And obviously, if Matt's going for that type of money, um, the series kind of money that we're suggesting he could do, it'll be on the back of him being successful at Celtic. And obviously, all we want is for Celtic to be successful. So that's that's just the way the, the world works. And, you know, I wish we were perhaps higher up the food chain in certain ways that we were able to, you know, how we would be able to, you know, negotiate for players and stuff. But whilst, um, whilst we're still having the success that we that we have, then I suppose we can't, you know, can't complain too much. I think,
0: I think as well, like you're mentioning a cycle of his career. I think for any young player coming up or who's facing struggles. I think Matt O'Reilly's a perfect example that you never give up. I mean, he was at Fulham with with, uh, Maurice Yance, funny enough, who played for us as centre-back for a while on loan. He didn't get a sniff. He took the the chance to leave Fulham and he trained in a park by himself during COVID. He got his move to MK Dons on the back of him being ambitious, being motivated, disciplined to do that training himself. And now you look at him and you're like, wow, he can go anywhere with his career. And look, I'm not over-exaggerating. You know me, Anthony. I don't like the egg things up or do you know what I mean unless I believe in, in myself that it's true I think Watson O'Reilly developed under the Rogers, whether it be his management style like you said whether it be just he's found a new vein of form in this position he's been moved up into is testament to him he's made his career he's put the hard work in and he had his ups and downs I think if you're looking if you're in the Celtic academy or if in any academy throughout the world you look at his career and you'd be like I can do that do you know what I mean so I think for me, like he's, and also he seems to be a leader in the dressing room. So that's a testament to him. Players seem to listen to him. He seems to have respect. He was doing the, was it the post match in the the last league game against Hearts with Cal McGregor. I think he, Cal McGregor tried to compliment him. He was like, palm it off. Does don't be saying stuff like that. to I me. Mean, he's a humble guy. So having people around like that in the club, I think only goes well for Celtic. And as you said, we're the beneficiaries of his great form. And there's comments in here about Palmer and, and things they got from Corvo. We're going to come on to Palmer and his thunderbolt of a goal. But before that. We'll have to talk about the man from Japan, the happy man, Kyogo Furuhase. I think he's always smiling. He's always laughing. He's leading the celebrations in every league game that we see. And I honestly, I'm so happy for him that he's translating that for him into European football. Now and scoring goals in, in the top stage of the mall. And the way he took that was just like a seasoned striker. Experienced. He, he didn't panic. He was in the zone. Maybe in, when he first joined us, he was snatching at that. Just first time, bang, trying to hit it, but he took it in the stride and thinking over all black, and you can't that that can't be underestimated in my opinion.
1: Yeah,
0: because
1: it, it can't, it's a it's a, as we were d- d- discussing, it's a tremendous finish the way the way he did it, and like you say, you know, lesser players would have just tried to put the laces through it and just you know try and take the net off, but he probably realised that 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 kind of approach maybe what he tried to do a wee bit more of last season in the in the European front. Um, You know, it it didn't come off great for him. I think probably what he's trying to do this season is try and go on his own instincts, like what he normally Mm -hmm. does domestically. Because more often than not, when he gets a chance, the ball ends up in the net um, on the domestic front. But I think perhaps it was just, you know, the fact that it was the first year in the Champions League. Perhaps there is that mental block of, you know, not too many chances. I'm not going to get too many efforts on goals. So I need to really, you know, almost hurry. and try and get it out of the way when those chances come along. But he's, he's uh, further you're further down the line now, and you just see, it was it was just just composure right from the, the word go. Just even in the build up to it as well, um, Stephen and I just yeah can't can't praise him enough. And it was the same for the goal against Lazio as well. You know the way that he, he peeled off his man as well. There's we we all knew that he was a top class player, and probably and he would know it himself it didn't quite take that form and that ability into the. You know, the the biggest stage last year, but certainly making up for lost time this year.
0: He's he's unbelievable. I, I love the guy. I mean, the only thing that concerns me is if he gets injured, and it looked like at the end of the game he was limping. And that's a bit concerning. Obviously, Rio Tate will come on to him. He went off of what looks like a bad injury. I think you put in the chat that uh, Rogers confirmed it looks like a bad one. He out for a few weeks, and he was only really coming on the game. But before we, we talk about him, let's talk about the, the penalty kick that let me see here on the 25th minute. Griezmann uh, took missed, but if we go back to the incident, Greg Taylor, McGrand convinced it isn't a penalty kick. We and him kind of debated about this. I think it is a penalty kick. I think Taylor took the fellow down, regardless if it was soft or not. His foot was in front of his, and he's went into him. He's he's made the contact in the box, and we all we all know the tricks that the go are good at. The the masters of the the dark arts of football under Diego Simeone, and they'll find any loophole, any way to exploit something. And it did, and they got the pound, the kick, and going from you in the stadium, and, and you've seen it back. But what was your overall feeling? So even towards the incident, and is, do you think Greg Taylor's part of the blame for losing his man? Did he fall asleep well, a I, bit?
1: I think it was more I, mean, I, can't, I can't remember the, the the player's name that kind of that did peel off him. I think it was more great movement rather, um, you know, rather than necessarily a, you know a glaring error. For me, at, at the time, Stephen, I felt you know at, you know the, the pace of the game was moving that quick that I thought, soft, but mm, possibly, but it was the fact that there did seem to be a lot of players saying that that it wasn't. I think it was one of the ones where they say, and this is where, I, you know, VAR's one of my biggest procedures, it's that the new phrase, you know, by, by the letter of the law, like you say, it's 0.1 of a millimetre, but the, his foot is in front, and like he's, but I think it's one of those ones where the player, for me, is quite clearly looking for it, and it, it frustrates me how, no matter how advanced, how much we advance it, in, in football, referees just they 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 don't seem to be able to referee these teams properly, no. and it, you know, I just think he he was looking for it, he made the most of it, it probably as a foul, but what what surprised me as well though is for what I could see, um. There was definitely, there was nothing came up on the big screen to say, you know, VAR checking. You you, you know, it was almost like the referee decided and and that was it. Um, I have to say, I don't necessarily think, and and I think what probably added to the frustration as well was the amount of unpunished fouls, especially on Maida in in the first half. Mm -hmm. And every time uh, a decision went against Atletico Madrid, you would have five or six of their play. I mean, this is supposedly the stuff that they're meant to be clamping down on and using the technology to, you know, you know bring back you know, officialdom and things like that. Um, Anthony. But the rest see, was see, but completely lost control.
0: You made a so, point there about... You made a point. I, I want to come on to that point there, what you made. I mean, John came in there and said it, it was a apparently... Uh, Alistair Jack said it's a apparently... But you mentioned there are players and their protests, right? Now, I've heard a few people online maybe say Celtic are a bit soft and they don't really... Like challenge the referee in certain decisions to kind of just back off and let the game go on. And you are saying, again, on, on their side of things, it was every time there was a foul to them, it was five, six of the opposition players were crying. Yeah, 100%. Do you think Celtic should maybe do more of that? Is that being streetways or is that just being an annoyance? Is that, oh, is, is that not letting the referee referee the game?
1: I think it's a, yeah, it's a frustration for me in the fact that I, I don't understand how we, all of these years that went past that referees just don't, just don't, it would have taken, and he started, I think the very first time he, did some, he booked somebody, and then mm-hmm. two or three went over after that, and you were going, well, book them as well then, because none of them were the, were the captain. I think that there was one point in the second half, he shouted over to their captain, to come and get them to go away from him, despite the fact he'd made the sort of, go away gesture to them yeah. three, four times, and I'm going, that is why you've got a yellow card in your pocket. And if they keep and if they keep doing it after that, change it to a red because nobody. The, the whole point of it and Atletico wouldn't have had a leg to stand on because and in theory because everyone's um, apparently saying that you know we've got to have officials have got to be back in control and you know total respect to the referee. I think I, I don't I wish Celtic didn't do it. I, I, I'm, I'm glad we don't do it. I have to say, but by the same token, it frustrates me that the teams that do it don't get punished for it and it Mm. seems to be that, put it this way, I don't think if Kyogo went down the way that the Atletico player did, and everyone can just say, oh, you're maybe just saying that through tinted spectacles or whatever, I don't think Celtic would have got a penalty for that incident if it had been up the other end of the park because I don't know what it is. About you, about well, I think referees are abysmal across the board. Now. Well, we've but talked
0: I've about this before. It's it's the difference of rules in each association that yeah. clouds form, doesn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. you look at that penalty kick, and I throw another example to you. I don't know if you've seen it, but the Aberdeen game last night. I've, their I've not seen, it. I've,
1: I've not seen I, it, but I've I've heard I've, I've heard that it is an yeah. So basically, up.
0: if it, if they explain it to you, their left back Jack McKenzie takes the ball in an amazing run, gets in the box. literally gets tripped up. Probably what Greg Taylor done to um the player in question for a flat and then fast forward 10 minutes later the, the 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 opposition player on the edge of the box their their center half ruby six stands on the toe of this player right albeit he did stand on the toe on the line of the penalty box and they got a penalty kick but Aberdeen didn't get it didn't get it so it's the difference of rules and we talked about this before honestly at length you just don't know where you stand with it and you look at the penalty kick if we take it back to the incident in, in the Celtic game I think you're right in a point where it's the exaggeration, doesn't it? It's yeah. the over. They're trying yeah, to get over well, the referee that was a penalty.
1: Absolutely. What what I would say is, um, I I don't think there's any difference. And it, it, maybe this might be a, a strange one because obviously Celtic did actually get a penalty for this. And I know it's a different type of coming together with the ball. I don't. I, I put the penalty that Atletico got on Wednesday in the same bracket. Is the one we got at Timecastle. I think it's a, one of these modern decisions that, mm. for me, I don't. I don't think it was a penalty at Time Castle, and I, I, I thought. I know they're trying to say now, oh, maybe Kyogo put his knee across, and all that I, 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 even if he did, that's the kind of thing I hate about the modern game that they were were micro analysing to that extent to try and see if we can give a foul. Um, yeah, I felt very much the same with the Atletico decision on Wednesday, so I, I accept it to the point of. Of this modern letter of the law material, it probably was. But if 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 I was the all-seeing, all eye all-powerful, you know, Sauron of uh, of football, I would I wouldn't have given a penalty for for either. Um, but in terms of VAR itself, Stephen, that's that's always my biggest frustration. It's it it's supposed to only interfere with what we tell when it's clear and obvious. Yeah,
0: um, yeah,
1: and the fact that. These referees can't can't make their mind up on what that is. I I, I mean we were talking about it um, in the group chat. We, there was a programme on, on Sky Sports after the game against Harps on, on Sunday there and it was to <laughs> incredibly celebrate a, a year of VAR in Scottish football. And it was, you know, two or th- I think it was the head of the referee and, and you know two or three of these, you know, minions, you know, ridiculously for an hour straight try to justify. Their that existence um with all these mealy-mouthed, you know, pre-scripted um, you know, words and statements, you know, never has so little been said with so many words. It was it was um it was actually an embarrassing production, to be perfectly honest with you. And um not one contentious decision incredibly that featured Celtic was um was mentioned in terms of you know, you think of the, the absolute shocking ones, you know, the O'Reilly handball, the um you' You're a good pal. You're the bear handball the incident. In the very first <laughs> game against Hearts at Tynecastle when James Forrest um, played the ball in, and you know, um, I can't remember which Hearts defender it was, but he played a sort of Scottie Pippen type interception, and you know, it was wasn't even looked at. Um, so there's VAR has been very much for me, an overwhelmingly negative um, introduction to, to football. I'm very much way post the on it. I don't think the technology fits the sport of football. I think it negatively affects the fans. I think the fact that referees and the powers that be can't make up the they can't decide what the rules are, and then they change the rules every five minutes. The, the whole g- great thing about football, and it's you know at, at its simplest, is it's there's there's not actually that many rules, and it should be quite uncomplicated, quite simple to follow. Um, but this now is just—it's—it's it's San Fran nail on the head, man. It's—it's it's killing the sport, and it's turning referees who were already incompetent into indecisive monkeys. Quite frankly, um, it's ruining the way that the players play the game. Um, it's poorly affected, you know, the amount of stoppage time that's getting added on. You know, we're, we're, it's becoming quite the norm to have a hundred minutes of football, which is ridiculous. Um, and obviously, you know, the amount of waiting you know, four or five minutes you're waiting for a simple, simple decision to be made. Yeah. I can't stand it. And the only thing that I would keep, would potentially say you keep it is the fact that you, you, because you're getting to see the, the replays that often, all they're doing is highlighting how incompetent they are with it. But it's uh, it's a it's a terrible thing. It really is. It's slowly but surely killing the sport.
0: You feeling better now, Alphaly? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> how did they get amply triggered, eh? Asked about Griezmann penalty and we're talking about the decisions that happened last year. <laughs> but, I mean, the to, to, to take it back to the penalty kick, Um, the Griezmann, obviously he missed it and he scored the follow-up. Obviously, I mean, we all call it Celtic goals, we can see in Europe, that's up there with one of them. But it, with, within yourself, did you get that kind of feeling that we usually get around about that point where we're going to be like, oh, no, they're going to take no. control of the game.
1: As we mentioned earlier, obviously with, with the early Celtic goal, up until that point it was very, very similar. It, it, the game kind of went the same way that the the Lazio um, game went. Obviously, early goal, and then you know I felt a, a, a frustration with um, you know allowing them back into the game. I've, I've not actually seen the replay, yet, Stephen. I wasn't sure if Joe Hart had touched it onto the post or he kept, if just tapped it, a bit. Just it a bit. My dad was actually saying that he goes, you know, Joe's no. Kind of renowned for saving penalties, and that's him save two in the Champions League this season. And yeah. he's got nothing really to show for it. Um, having said that, I thought he had a couple of really good saves, um, especially he in does. the second half. Um, kind of the Joe, you know, the Joe Hart We all want to, to to have kind of more consistently. Um, but I thought, thought he had a good game on on uh, Tuesday night, uh, Wednesday night. Sorry, and certainly, but you I know we'll touch on the the second goal as well. He, I, I don't really think he can be blamed for that one, but. Um, yeah, at that point you just thought, God, this is this is eerily, eerily similar to a couple of weeks ago. Um, but then, obviously, whilst Atletico fans, as as, as we've seen for the video, whilst they were still celebrating making it one-one, uh, Louis Palmer had other ideas.
0: I mean, for, like, coming on straight away, a great segue, Anthony, very well <laughs> done. But I, I mean. <laughs> Seamless. I think uh, Louis Palma for me, like he was a player who had openly admitted didn't excite me, but I'm starting to get what type of player he is. I think he's really composed. He's a, he's a a playmaker playing off the wing, if you get me. doesn't have blister and pace, obviously. We've we've seen that, but he creates opportunities. We've seen him hit a few corner kicks on Wednesday night, which was great to see him and Matt, Matt O'Reilly kind of change that up. I think he's been Matt's been told, look, Palma can do it as well, buddy. Let's give him a chance. But I mean... He wears them um, black boots. Remember like Ciarantini when he first broke into the thing, Black boots and all these all these aesthetics you notice with players. And he was in the, the right time, the, the right space at the right time. I think we had a, a free kick or a corner kick around right about that time. And, but we messed it up. They broke up the pitch. We won the ball back. Ended up over a made on the left-hand side. He whips in a ball. Again, aimless. Made at a set. Hits and crosses and he doesn't know where they're going to go. Landed at Palmer's feet, Anthony. And he still had a lot to do. Absolutely. Like he was in a position, probably I would say 30% of a scoring opportunity there. If you're talking about stats and, and XG and, and things like that, Thunderbolt passed O'Black again, smacked off the, the left hand side post and and nestled in the back. And that and the eruption oh. of Celtic Park. I would have loved to have felt that feeling. The only time I ever felt Celtic Park would have been a kind of a carbon copy of that, what well, Wednesday night would have been. Remember the RB Leipzig, Leipzig game? 2016, yeah, yeah. I think it was yeah. when we went one eight, broke up the pitch, and we scored right away, and it was it just erupted. I would have loved to have been been there on, on Wednesday just to feel that that passion, that energy, and Palman made what, what are you thinking about Palmer And I mean, he's he's producing on on the top stage.
1: Yeah, the, the, very much so. Um, I, me and my dad were joking at the game if you could combine the technical uh, ability and you know, cross, you know, absolutely one day a right foot. Um, is that Palma has with Maeda's pace? It seems you'd have a, ball and dog a you know, right there. Oh. You know, it's like we have to split the the talents. Um, but no, I, I think um, and I know what you mean, Stephen. Like, like you've you've used the comparison to El Yunusi before, and I think that's it's it's very fair because you know El Yunusi wasn't blessed with and pace either. But I suppose in terms of Palma, since he's come in, um, obviously he thought he'd scored the one he came on scored against them. Um, Motherwell. Um, he didn't have a great game over in Feyenoord, granted, but I suppose he just literally I think that was well not his it was his first full start. He just came in the weekend before. Yeah. Um, but after that, you know, he's come off the bench, scored at Motherwell, Um thought he'd scored the winner um against Lazio a couple of weeks later. Um he's obviously um, got a couple more goals, more assists as well. Um he's just really kind of he's making, you know, that spot in the first team he's on. Um he obviously tired a bit in the second half, but um his work rate especially first half and then L in the second half was absolutely phenomenal but that goal like you say you know what was the atmosphere like it was it's, again no hyperbole to say it was electric absolutely electrifying when that went in um i think because obviously with the fact um that as i say you felt the game was kind of going in a similar way to what it did against Lazio the fact that we responded as quick as we did um yep. and, to, and to get them to go back to 2-1 up it was it was absolutely phenomenal, and like you say, different kind of totally different goal to the first goal. But in terms of the technique, to to take it at the angle, of what he did, it didn't. You no, know, didn't. He had to get powered behind it just with the way that the mm-hmm. ball felt him, um, and to get it past um, the athletic keeper from that angle, absolutely sensational. And it does all. It's similar to Alatas' goal on Sunday. They always, I always think they, they look better when they go off a post. Yeah, sorry. the, the crossbar so, yeah. and then. But it was an absolute peach. You know, two goal of the season contenders in the space of, you know, the first forty half hour, 40 minutes. It was absolutely unbelievable. And by that point, you know, the stadium was absolutely shaking. It was phenomenal.
0: Unbelievable. Corville comes in. If Palmer's right foot was a weapon and Cod, your kill streak would be hit the roof. <laughs> <laughs> he, does, he has a wand of a right foot. But obviously before we round up the half here and I mean, one of the probably negative points, uh, I mean, you could probably match it with a positive and Bernardo coming on, but Rio Atate went off injured. As I said, you put in the chat earlier, Rogers confirmed it's going to be a bad hamstring injury. It could be a few weeks he's going to be missing. Quite unfortunate because he, he signed a new daily. He was coming on the game. He scored a couple of goals. He was getting involved. He was doing that different role that Rogers wanted him to do. He comes off and also touching upon Bernardo, was seeing seen a stat he performed 44 pressures, So yeah. more than any... Any midfielder or any player on the pitch, which basically means closing people down and, mm-hmm. and pressing high up the pitch. And he done that. I thought Bernardo looked really good. I thought he maybe not tidy on the ball, but he, he, was, a, he was a workhorse. He was a, he was getting involved. And we, we might see the obviously best of him in the SPFL when he gets more better than him, more game time. But just in them two situations, Rio with that taken off and Bernardo coming on, how did you feel?
1: Well, the, the to touch on the, the real one first, mate, it was it was really and like you say, it's just that kind of shrug of the shoulders, just their luck in Europe, because obviously we're all celebrating uh the first goal going in and you know, nine of the eleven players, um apart from Rio Rio and Joe Hart were the only two that weren't over in that corner, you know, celebrating the goal going in because the minute it went in, Rio went straight over to the, the dugout the where I sit is just not that far behind the Celtic dugout. And he went straight over to him, and he was holding him, um, his hamstring. And it um, did go back on, but within about thirty seconds, um, the ball went out of play again. And he tried to stand up, and Rogers, uh, Brendan Rodgers, was telling him really animatedly, "You know, sit in your ass, you're you're off, kind of thing. We're not risking you." Um, and obviously, you know, frantically waving Bernardo because he he went out and started warming up quite quite early on. He got pulled back really quickly, and, and on he went. Um, I don't know how much the telly showed, and this is what we, we say about Brendan Rogers, that kind of more open um, approach, and you know, he said that last week in regards to you know, Leela Bada and, and, and other, mm-hmm. um, other players, he says he went, I, I, I don't pretend to care about my players, I genuinely do care, and I believe that wholeheartedly, I think he's the type of guy you would absolutely love to be managed by, um, and I think that's why we feared we thought this could be a bad one, because Hattie was... Really, really emotional when he was coming off. You know, he was in, 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 a, in a, a, a right bad state, and I don't know if the cameras had panned onto him, but
0: showed showed hug hugging him.
1: Yeah, it was it was a hug, but it wasn't just that kind of classic. You know, sometimes when a player gets taken off, and it's a a quick pat on the, the back of the head, and then right, go and get changed, or you know, go, so it was a proper you know embrace and kind of you know, we've got you, you'll be or, you'll, yeah. you'll be okay, sort of thing. And I think that just shows the measure of Brendan. Roger's the, the man, is let alone the manager. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, as he said, it's. I think he said today, it's a few weeks. So, yeah. you know, a few weeks, you're, you're into the sort of busy Christmas period then. So, hopefully, he might get back before Christmas in some way, shape or form, and then he'll have, obviously, the winter break to try and get back up to fitness, and then we can push on for the second half of the campaign. But um, in terms of what you're saying about Bernardo, I, I totally agree. I'm like the rest of the boys. Quite excited to see more of them. Although I think to be fair, I think the same about uh Odin, Tiago Home, and yep. uh, and Iwata as well. I think that you know it's it's probably quite not the nicest thing to say, but the the unfortunate absence of Hitati gives all three of the guys now a chance to stake a claim mm-hmm. for a more permanent um or a more regular place in the side. Um, Brendan's already said that. He says, you know we've got so many games coming up that it won't be the same team you know, game, game by game, he says, I will have to do a bit of rotation. So there's, and as I say, obviously we wish that, that, that this wasn't the reason why, because obviously you'd kind of, I think we would all probably have a tattie starting every game if we could. Oh, yeah, yeah. The fact that he's not around now, there's the, the, I think that maybe Brendan was saying that, maybe behind the scenes to go well, <laughs> you're never going to get more of an opportunity now to try and show us what you can do. So it'll be interesting to see who uh, who he decides to go with. You might be right, Jed. As I say, it, it, and the thing is, as well, you don't want to rush him back too quickly, and then have him out for even longer when you get into the, the you know the business point of the season as well. So we just have to be really careful with them. Um, you know, despite how good a player he is, but um, but you no, know, I thought Bernardo, like you say, it's he's he's not the most showiest of players. Staying more more that kind of workhorse temperament that yep. you say. Um, and I thought I, I thought he was unlucky with with the second goal because it it, it put and it was a good challenge, and it just, you know, the momentum of the athletical player meant that he was still able to continue with the ball, um, but yeah, apart from that, he was always playing with the head up, always looking for the ball, which is, you know, encouraging, and yeah, certainly can't, can't fault him for effort in terms of that, that pressing game that obviously Brendan likes to play as well, so again, like the rest of the boys, I'm really excited to see what else he can do in a jersey, Celtic jersey
0: hundred percent. I think is like you said, it's a great point. We've seen it before when Jada got injured previously, Abada came in took the opportunity. Do you know I mean? When Mallorelli was injured, different players like Hatate took the opportunity, Meada was on the left and stuff like that. So it's about Odin Tiago home taking the opportunity, Bernardo taking the opportunity, Turnbull maybe. I don't know. I think he's done in my opinion. But it's, it's as you no, said it's up, up,
1: I would, I would Yeah, it, yeah.
0: But it's up to these guys to stake the claim now going forward. Obviously, Rio is going to be a big miss, but it opens up, as you said, it opens up the, the game again. It opens up that midfield to be in with McGregor and O'Reilly, and who knows, maybe come the next uh, Glasgow Derby game, it might be a new look midfield, and Atate is going to have to fight to get back in. That, that, again, that's good, having competition for places. But before we come on to the second half of the game, I think we spent a good amount of time there talking through the first half. Then the Celts have joined the world of TikTok william has, has come up with it he's he's created the channel and we've got some tracks and so far i'd say the the videos have gained i mean thousands if you added all together thousands of views already and it's just fantastic and i want to share just one maybe two before the end of the podcast with you and if anyone wants to join us on the journey on tiktok again search up endless cells hit the follow button and we'll follow you back and we'll create that wee community that we have here on on youtube and here we go there's just, just a, a wee video to warm it up here
1: so good man as i said, uh, what? What I'm that cut me off, I <laughs> I not know. I mean, <laughs> I didn't mean it
0: like that. I mean, he, was like, he was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs>
1: what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what I <laughs> was, was such a put that it was unbelievable. What? What? I... What, <laughs> what <is laughs> Oh so, good, man. so, so good. Like,
0: as, as i said if you want to join that journey with us endless outs on tiktok you'll get i mean not only laughs it's disagreements things you haven't agreed with fighting arguing but funny times as well and maybe the odd couple of beers involved in these clips so get involved with it. i'll share another one here before the end of, of the podcast but coming on to the second half so- <laughs> coming on to the second half um anthony we, I think, imposed our game so much on Atletico Madrid, they had to make changes. They brought on Marcus Lorente for, for, for Saul, who was getting overrun in the midfield. They brought on May to replace their left-back, Adilif Mieta. So again, we've made a world-class team and a world-class manager in Simeone rethink his game plan, get into the second half here. And look, I think we all have to admit it was a different game. The second half, I think Celtic had to dig in. I think we had to show a different side of their game. That really came to the fore when we changed formation. And that aspect of things that match them up and try and dig in and sit in and take the pressure. But get into it. Did you have a good feeling that would we would be competitive still? Or I mean, the first maybe I would say five or ten minutes we were still in it, but slowly but and surely, if that does come back into it.
1: Yes, it pr- probably. Obviously, the the first half against Atletico had a, you know a lot more sure uh, goals than the, the game against Real Madrid, but it was kind of similar in that sense that um, in the. You know, the game against Real Madrid that started to get away for us in the second half, and it was seen at the early doors um, it was the same with the second half against Atletico, because their class start, did start to shine through, um, it really did, but having, and obviously you have a lot just trying, first 15-20 minutes let's keep going, but unfortunately obviously they got the goal um, but Jed, you just took the words straight out my mouth, I think that there was, there was probably the only time there was a bit of head scratching going on in the stadium because we took off um, God, who was it we actually turned off can't even remember now and brought on um, Mark Phillips and it was sort of along the, the line of why we are taking off a attacking player and putting on I think mm-hmm. it was maybe when we took off Palmer it might have been, I, can't, I can't remember exactly, yeah, I think it
0: then, was Palmer yeah.
1: yeah and then we put on a centre half and there, you know, there was a few kind of heads being scratched a bit around me but I have to say I thought it was actually but a, a genius but a tactical move for Brendan because it kind of nullified, because they were starting to really own that midfield in in that period and they were starting to to stretch the game. And having that extra defensive player kind of helped kind of crowd that out a little bit more. So it kind of nullified that threat. The only thing I would probably, and and that's what I would say, obviously, Simeone, you're buying on Steven, world-class coach, um, and that's how he's able to move, you know, those kind of players about. By the same point, and I'll always argue that um, Brendan's the same. I think Brendan's out, out the top drawer. Um, yep. There you go, Pam. You're absolutely buying on. That's it. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. It just, um, I think perhaps he had the ghost of Lazio, maybe a little bit in the back of his mind as well. And you think, you know, we've played so well. Let's not throw it away. We, you know, maybe try to chase too much. Um, perhaps if there was maybe one only thing you thought maybe should be a flung o on for even the last couple of minutes, but. Listen, it's all us buts and maybes and um there's no guarantee that that would have, you know, ended up with a, a more positive outcome than the, the one we got. So perhaps sometimes it was good just to kinda rather than try and do a home run just to get onto you know get onto a base, you know. And um I think by getting a point on the board we did that on, on Wednesday night. So as we all know, there's three games left. It'll be very, very tough. But I think we've we've showed enough in the first three games and obviously we get at least getting a point. To say that we're we're know out yet just yet, um, you're, yeah, absolutely bang on, Jed. I think um, as much as I think he's, you know, lower than a snake's belly, um, as a, you know, as I certainly in terms of football, in terms of human being, um, there's no denying the guy is a talented football manager.
0: Hundred percent, and I want to talk about their second goal here and, and Taylor for me. Look, I think we went there back free. Um, Alfred Johnson Taylor went the wing backs and. When they broke down the right-hand side, there was a chance for me where Taylor could have come out and closed the ball, but it looked like to me he hesitated. I don't know if that was because of the formation change that he didn't know what angle to be at or who he had to close down or who he had the mark. That's fair enough. But after that situation passed and they scored that goal, I thought his head went for about 10 to 15 minutes. He was just all over the place in terms of positional sense and, and where to be on the pitch and even defensively as well. But touching upon the, the goal first and Alistair Jackler wanted to address what Alistair Jack said in terms of Taylor had a shocker after that. Um it was a, a fantastic header by Murata. I think he scored against Scotland a couple of weeks previously, didn't he? In yeah, the in the, of in the international game. So he, he was back on the Scottish soil doing doing the damage again. But um and then Willie pointed out did, did uh, Alistair Johnson or was the Carter Vickers leave him? And he came yeah, round well, the back think, and he missed him think, out. Yeah, but what, what, what was your opinion on, on the goal then?
1: The, the goal, well, I have to say, Stephen, I didn't see it in real time because I was away getting a cup of tea because I was freezing. Oh, and I thought, no. Because the ball was kind of up near the Celtic end, I thought to myself, well, worst comes to the worst. If I'm missing anything, it's a Celtic goal. And I you knew there was a scream underneath the feedback food bit where I go and I thought, well, that's that's not too bad. And then obviously there's a very you know five six second delay between what you're seeing on the screen and what's happening out on the pitch, and mm-hmm. then then I was getting served and I heard a a massive roar as if you know Celtic were pushing forward, and then it kind of went a bit quiet. But then up on the the screen it was obviously shown you as kind of up the eighteen yard line. So I thought, eh, hey, it's fine. I'll be I'll be back in my seat and you know life will go on. And uh, and then there was just this kind of kind of Rather muted, rope, but you could still definitely hear that, that kind of celebration. And I thought, "Oh, what, what the hell going on here?" And by the time I got back out the the sort of turnstile um, section of it, and then out into the the park, the uh, you know, looked to my right, and all the athletic supporters were celebrating. I was going, "What the fuck's happened here, man?" Do you know what I mean? And I did think at one point. I thought, "Oh my God, is this going to have? Has it been an absolutely horrific uh, defensive mistake?" When um, mm. I got back to my seat, obviously, my dad explained how the action had had went, and he said um, it, there was a couple of boys around them going, like, you know, really going for Taylor. And you know, my dad kind of whispered to me, he was like, ah, I'm not too sure it was overly necessarily his fault. Um, and I think now that I've, I've seen it back, I, I get what people are, are, are saying in terms of obviously Bernardo has made the challenge, and I think at that point, uh, Greg Taylor, you, you see him, he's quite clearly going to help. He should close second. it down.
0: He should close yeah. it down.
1: And I, but I think just that the the speed that the game's been getting played at, and obviously he's obviously got the, the other player just in, in his periphery, and I think the fact that the Atletico player has, has managed to ride that challenge and he's still in momentum, I think just in that split second, he has hesitated and he thought, is there enough cover at that side, or they're trying you know, block off good. I think because the natural thing at that point is, certainly for the way I looked at it, is that player would then play it right and then the ball would come in. Yeah. But I think just what's happened is it's ended up being a wonderful ball across the button. Carter Vickers is a tremendous centre half. No no two ways about it. And even he could get nowhere near it. And I think that there are times I get why perhaps people were a bit frustrated with it. And I do agree for five ten minutes after that, he did kind of lose the way a wee bit. You know, there was some, it was a bit frantic. She always says maybe mm-hmm. the best way to describe it. But I do think he composed himself. Would be fair to him, and obviously he contributed magnificently on the course of the night. You know, you look at the ball over the top for Maeda for the second goal, yep. for example. But I do, I just think in that in that split second, maybe even half a split second, of such a you know phrase of time exists. um... I just think he's perhaps been caught in two minds, and the yeah. worst. But like, it, and it's not even been the case of Joe Hart should have came out or kind of. I think the ball across is so good that it, it would attain anybody out the game, and it's just. Um, I agree with us. Agree it. with us. Had to make a. Fair, well, but listen, he, he, he maybe well um, could have. Uh, uh, that's it's a fair point, but I just think. Oh, at, at that moment, I could I could understand Chelsea why 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 he got he got caught in two minds, but. It, it was frustrating because it's it wasn't one of those ones where it, it's a horrendous mistake. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like, you know, Joe Hart against Leipzig last year where it was just utter stupidity. It was just sort of almost these things happen in the game sometimes. And it's um, rather than it just being a great ball across, but then Marata couldn't get on the end date or anything like that. Mm. And then it kind of gets, you know, lost in the, the sands of time. Um, it's just, he ends up flinging an, an absolutely worldy across and obviously if Marata's on the end of it, more often than not, it's going in the back of the net. Um, where, where I've got to give uh, credit to the boys, um, especially the, the back four, is after that, after losing that goal and especially the way that the groups went so far, it could very, very easily have went 3-2, 4-2. Yeah, you know, have, And then, yep. the, whole, then the, the, the night takes on a whole different feel. But Celtic did rally. They maybe didn't get too many clear-cut chances at goals, but they did create chances. And um, they kind of showed Atletico that no matter how much they keep coming back, Celtic will go toe-to-toe with them, which maybe isn't what we've seen all the time. Um, So, yeah, got to give them credit for that.
0: I mean, talking about the, the back four, back five, whatever it was at the end of the game... For me, the best defender on the night for us again was the Irish warrior himself, Liam Scales. I thought he was absolutely tremendous, and not only that, it's it's his confidence levels are hitting the roof. He's taking the ball out, he's playing killer passes, he's winning headers against Griezmann, winning headers against Morata, not making it look easy. But we talked about maybe Bernardo with Tiago home taking that chance in midfield. Liam Scales has took that, and I think him and Carter Vickers now have a solid partnership, yep. and it's going to be hard. As I mean. It's up to Liam Scales now what he does with this, with this opportunity and this chance. He's grasping it at the minute with both hands and he's taking it and running forward. But it's it's going to be hard to get him out of that team. We've got Narocki on on the, on the way back. Largo that was on the bench. Nat Phillips had to make do with coming on for 30 minutes. The, the guy who came in to be the emergency for the injuries and then it ended up being Liam Scales being the emergency for the injuries. So he was already at the club at that point in time. But what do you think about his emergence and He's got caps now for the Irish national team. I just think for me, it's, I think his, his rise has been incredible from last year. He played against Darville. He got he got beat with Aberdeen. He got booed off the pitch the game after he was sent off against Hibs. And the only reason I know this, by the way, is because I heard other people talking about it. just thought it was fantastic here and that kind of rising. Packy Bonner was talking about it on Sports Sound. Being beat by Darville, smashed up by Hibs, 6-0, sent off. And I look at him playing the Champions League. That was me hanking
1: you were just keeping right up to date with your SPFL watch, Stephen, But there you go. That's really, only certain know.
0: players. <laughs> it's certain players.
1: But no listen, again, I've got the, that must be my favorite phrase of the day. Again, I don't think it's hyperbole to say for me, he's the story of the season so far, mate. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that is a story that so far includes that well, you can maybe argue the close season right enough, but Brendan coming back perhaps is maybe the, the absolute story. But on the park. You look at how Matt Riley's came on. You look at, you know, um, Kyogo still banging in the goals. You look at the emergency, Louis Palmer and everything that he's contributing. Maeda, constant work rate. But I think above all of that is how much, so quickly as well, um, how much Liam Scales has come on. There's, you know, there's a lot of great, you know, football and sliding doors kind of moment. Had, had it not been maybe for an injury crisis, would he even be at the club right now? There's no, definitely an no. element of that. You know, he could he could have been playing his trade um, for Aberdeen last night or, or elsewhere. As it stands, he is you know representing Celtic at the top tier uh, club football and an in international stage, obviously as well. And the biggest credit you can give him, I think, against the you know. Griezmann and Marata, you know, you, there's not many players above them in, in world football, and he did not look out of place for a minute. I no. don't think he put a foot wrong the full night. He just, and you'd say that it's really somewhat to O'Reilly in the terms of looking composed and it just. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't look like he's worried about making a mistake. It doesn't look like he's panicked or he's rushing anything. You know, he receives that ball. It's either out to Taylor or it's back to. Um, Back to Carter Vickers, and then he's making the move to receive it again, and then he's trying to go up. He, he doesn't sort of gallop right up to the way that you know perhaps Christopher Iyer used to. But you know, he's a different type of player. He and releases
0: it. He releases it at the right time,
1: doesn't I I, I I totally agree, and I think um, you know Ross used the, the term balance um, last week to talk about you know the different way that the, the ways the team set up at the minute, and it's I think it's the, the right word to use because I think having Carter Vickers the um, right sided centre-half and skills Scales, mm-hmm. the, the back four has a lot of balance in it at the moment, and um, yeah, I, I, I honestly can't pra- praise him highly enough, he's the first first pick for me at the moment, and yeah. it's no disrespect to your Lagardielkas and your Navroquis and, you know, anyone else, but the settled, for me, um, centre-half pairing at the moment is Cameron Carter-Vickers and Liam Scales, and even when the boys are the, the full squad's back fit, I, I still maintain that's our best um, centre
0: half pairing at the moment. hundred uh, percent. I think, as you said, I mean, I think it was um, I, I Graham, no, I Jed, I think it was saying about Kobe Ashi, mm-hmm. and no, Mark Newsom. Sorry, oh, forgive me, Mark, saying about
1: forgetting
0: about uh, him as well. God, uh, about Kobe Ashi. he was signed by Postecoglou to be that left sided centre half. We were all going, he's going to be partnering Fickers next season when Starfelt leaves and he's nowhere to be seen. He's he's off the face of the earth in terms of the squad at the minute and. Lame Scales, as you said, I think he is the, the story of the season. And again, I pointed to over with O'Reilly. Any young and up-and-coming player, just look at these guys. They, they made it. And there's no reason why anyone in an academy right now is struggling and can't do it as well. But, I mean, rounding off the game, obviously, and the pundits and stuff in the studio, now, there was a TNT pundit called, now excuse the name here, James Horncastle. The first part of that, the first part of his second name is what I felt watching they play against Flatic <laughs> Madrid, know, But he has come out and said, now, it was portrayed differently. He said Celtic played the best football of the tournament so far, but what he actually said was, we've played some of the best football of the tournament so far within all the quality teams around that, that uh, Champions League football. And I think for me, the, there's plaudits and things like that, but the reason why I'm accepting this for the result there is because it's a Flatic Madrid. Madrid.
1: Yeah.
0: I think... We played them off the park at times. We were dominating the first half and second half we showed the other side of the game, the ugly side, how to dig deep and how to see a game through, change the formation to, to make it comfortable for us and kill their attacking uh, instinct at that time, with Griezmann and, Mor- and Morata, and kind of the game uh, dwindled out towards the end. But where do you rank that Champions League performance among, let's say, the last three or four years? Obviously, Pasta who has been involved in that. We played some great games against Real Madrid, as Shakhtar Donetsk didn't quite see it through and this draw to me feels different and mm-hmm. everyone in the comments hopefully knows what I mean. When I say Celtics should be beating teams I mean the likes of a Farinaud, the likes of a, a, a Richard Gabblak, the likes of a Shakhtar Donetsk. These are teams like Athletic Madrid, PSGs, Barcelona. Those are different levels though and mm-hmm. the fact that we competed we could have won that game but we came away with a point. I think that's respectable and pundits like uh, James in the TNT Sports Studio, who would usually, I think, show us disrespect if stood up and went, fuck, they actually played really well.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's probably, it's good, I mean, we had two brilliant home performances. Again, uh, well, sorry, one was ended in a draw, one was a defeat um, under, under Brendan. But I would say in both of those games, we performed really well in spells and were really under the cosh in other um, times. First one, I would say, naturally, Brendan's first one, 3-3 game against Man City. We were absolutely magnificent that night. Um, you could probably argue it, maybe, you know, just with you know, two fewer goals, obviously, but it was quite a similar game to what Wednesday night was. You know, we made an explosive start, they came back, we went back in front again. Um, and then. But the, then I would say that the, the period of time where Atletico were really dominant um, on Wednesday night was that kind of just after, just before, and just after getting that equalising goal, and then we kind of steadied the ship a bit, and then it was more of an even game um, as the game progressed. Whereas against City, um, it was probably toe to toe for maybe seventy five minutes, and then we maybe mm. were kind of hanging on. I remember Craig Gordon made a magnificent save right at the end. Um, the other game that springs to mind, Champions League wise, in the last few years, Stephen was um, the year later. Um, we'd obviously took a really sword one uh, to PSG. That was probably the first of the, yeah. those really bad nights um, at Parkhead. It was. It, I know we'd obviously we'd lost to Monchengladbach and we'd lost to Anderlecht. Um, we actually lost to Anderlecht later on that year. But the the sort of constant the, the the mix up behind the games and how the makeup of it was different. You know, we were already more mm-hmm. or less guaranteed Europa League football when Anderlecht came to town. So I think they had to win like four nil at Parkhead, which was never going to happen, so I always kind of, although we didn't win that night, and we should, uh, as a team that, yeah, we should, uh, I think if there'd been something to play for that night, we would have won the game, but just with the the fixture pile up around that time, we did kind of ease off, there's no two ways about it, but the other game for that campaign was uh, the 2-1 defeat to Bayern Munich, we had a very good first half against Bayern Munich, Um, but, but went a goal behind. Um, a, a typical Celtic in Europe kind of goal to lose but then we, we, we started the game well and we were the better team in the first half I remember Stuart Armstrong really should have scored um, to, I can't remember that either that was to put us up or to pull us level back level and then second half we were McNeveson, um equalised with about 10 minutes to go through I think it was Cal McGregor lovely little ball McGregor, through yeah. James Forrest but then and that's where there was the absence of that in the latter stages on Wednesday night. We shot ourselves in the foot straight away. You know, I think it was maybe 81 minutes, 1-1, one, one, 84 minutes, 2-1 Bayern Munich. You know, and, and it was so frustrating. Um, but, you know, so in terms of performances, I would say it's it, it kind of feels probably on those kind of levels. With it being a draw, it's obviously not going to, going to get remembered in folklore the way that perhaps, you know, Juventus will be, or Manchester United, or Barcelona, or, or anything like that. Despite the fact that in different, you could argue in different ways that the performance was better. Um, in terms of taking a team on and putting stamping er kind of game to the opponent, it's it's right up there. It, it really is. And I know people will say, "Oh, it was only a draw," and you know, like like I said, it, it's almost a I almost a bit of a shame because. Atletico will always be the second team in Madrid, so a result <laughs> against them does it doesn't it lacks that kind of glamour and sort of you know, sexiness for want of a better word than they would be getting a draw against Real Madrid. But yeah, there's no two, like Atletico are a phenomenal side, and um, it was a really good performance for Celtic, and I, I, I do agree with you in that sense that there was there was very very few people left early on on Tuesday night, and it was nothing mm-hmm. but. Um, a fantastic reception at the end to, you know, for us to show our appreciation for the boys' efforts on the park.
0: Yeah, all in all, it was a fantastic performance all round, both attacking and defensively, and also the crowd putting up that atmosphere again, but Anthony, the tough games keep on rolling. I think Rogers is raging that Celtic have to play away from home in the, in the Christmas period again, and he was saying that was seven years in a row is that, summing up the old tricks, we all know this whole uh, supercomputer that makes the fixtures, it's not a computer. It's a human being. That that's not that that's not beat around the bush here, but we're at Easter Road in what seems like a run of away games is never going to end. I think we're going to uh, Dingwall soon as well. I believe yeah. the game. The game. The game isn't even on TV, which baffles me. It's a three PM kickoff tomorrow. It's an absolute shambles that we're going to have to find different alternatives to the view of the game rather than it being on the the Sky Sports list, which which it should be. Do you know what I mean? But. Yeah. East the road, Nick Montgomery played Rangers last week and he gave give, uh, Rangers the freedom of Ibrox. It was a, a strange performance. Rangers cut open and, on numerous occasions and comfortably won the game. But East the road, Hibs, sometimes I don't know what Hibs is going to turn up. I think we can all say that. I mean, there's two different Hibs that are either really good or they're really shit. There's no one between with them at the minute. How are you feeling getting into the game? Confidence should be high among the group. Can we put the, the lead up Seven keeping the seven points. Obviously, results as well have to be played out in terms of Rangers and that. But I'm confident going it. How are you feeling? well
1: you, you're you bang on, mate. That the, the, there is no other team that sums up the phrase Jekyll and Hyde than than Hibs. Um, and you know, none but you know, we've got a lot of good um, Hibby pals. And you know, we certainly always want them to to come out on top. And you know, the Edinburgh derby and, and things like that. You know, we know that you know, obviously the, the history with the the two clubs that you know, stretch his way back to even their entire formation um, back in, you know, after Hibs won the cup in 1887. Um, it's, uh, and, but yeah, they're, they're a very hot and cold side. Having said that, though, um, one of my Hibs friends was saying that during the week, you know, he was saying, you know, he fears the worst for tomorrow. But I did obviously mm. remind him that, you know, Brendan's never had a result. I um, uh, you know I won the Easter Road as well. Totswood, so right now. I'm and Totswood, uh, you to Fingers crossed, um, just like Livingston, you know, we, we put that to the sword uh, tomorrow. And if, if we turn up to any any kind of levels, certainly Wednesday, but even to the levels that we played last week and that we've been playing away from home this year, then there should only be one winner. But I, I think mm-hmm. Hibs at Easter Road, are, you know, they are a different animal to Hibs on the road um, at the moment, especially <laughs> I when like that are in the But I just... Um, I, 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 the, in terms of the the kickoff, like you're saying, it is, it's nothing short of a disgrace, mate. It, it really isn't, especially with the, 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 you know, ticket gate, as as I mean, I know Hibs aren't perhaps quite as um, public about their, you know, reducing allocations and things to, to the extent that their pals across the city are, but, you know, Hibs, Hibs played this card um, back when Brendan was manager, I think they were one of the first to do it, you know, half in, an allocation behind the goals and then literally the, 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 there's a, there's a famous picture of that day. I think it was a two, two game where the um half, half the the stand is empty. There's not a soul in it. Um, But it was on you know, they'd rather have a half empty stand and a stand full of Celtic supporters. I don't get it. You boys were talking about this last week and I thought you were absolutely spot on where it, in the, the sense of any, and, and you know, we know the broadcasting deal is a sham, you know, pittance compared yes, to what other leagues pick fair. up. But by the same point, the onus should be on um that, but, you know that's that's their gift to bid whatever they want to, to show our TV rights. We've got to offer something that makes our our league unique, give it a unique selling point. we, we obviously don't have the world class players that and the resources that that the English Premier League does or, mm-hmm. or other leagues. But always, I always felt was one of our unique selling points that you know, the Premier League now, of course, there is, obviously, there is still a hardcore element of fans that, you know, your Uniteds and Liverpools and stuff. But generally, when you go down to these, you know, I've been down, been lucky enough to go down to a couple of matches down south, but it is very sanitised. It is very much pushed towards the, you know, your favourite phrase, the touristy fan, the one that will, you know, come over for the day and spend £100 in the club shop. And, you know, it's all about getting a picture thing and, you know, taking photographs of the opposition, taking corner kicks and all that kind of thing. That's very much more the culture down there now. Premier League-wise, anyway, maybe not as, as you go further down the pyramid. Whereas up here, it's always, and especially the Town Castle, and Easter Road out with the, the big two, the, the, you know, they are the teams that you think at home have got more than a chance. And they're using that as an excuse to cut our allocation. I actually used to think us having a full stand Helped kind of spur that on because there was, there's yeah. there's more kind of needle between the between the sets of supporters, which I think, in my opinion, helps for a more better viewing spectacle. Because we know that perhaps the quality of football isn't you know as high as as in other leagues, but it was always yeah. something watching it, and it it looked great, you know, in terms of the passion and the you know just the the the, the, the kind of. Kind of controlled aggression for the crowd as well. It was something unique, and especially obviously when the big two met, and you know you, you tough, you know it was an atmosphere unrivaled as far as I'm concerned. Whereas now, you know I I I, I don't understand it, mate. What, what the the whole reasoning behind this is, um, and then to 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 then do a double whammy with that with Celtic supporters to say, okay, we're reducing your allocation, so as few of these as possible will be in the ground, but then, and, and it's not like they didn't see this coming, you know, the supercomputer, you know, totally randomly made these fixtures back in the summer. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, 100%. They've they
1: seen that coming and thought, if anything, we could have, you know, made our game um Sunday at 12.30, so it's not coming into the blackout um schedule yeah um, and being shown on Sky Sports. Rangers probably wouldn't have been against having another couple of hours rest and kicking off. We've seen that happen. in The Europa League teams kicking off later on on a Sunday night, either Sunday at three o'clock or Sunday at five o'clock. There's definitely ways that could have um, that could have been used. You're buying on Jed Motherwell, Celtic, brilliant game a couple of weeks ago, but it was only available on pay per view and you know
0: yeah.
1: other other avenues. Um, and it, it, it's a little wonder i think sometimes why we I, I hate how how negatively our games viewed by ignoramuses, particularly down south but then sometimes i take a look at it and think well if i wasn't emotionally engaged in this in this league looking at it on the telly it just you know you know heart celtic man but one of the biggest firecracker games of the season um, and Hibs as well, um, you know, probably a lesser venomous than Hearts Celtic. But last week it was it, it, on the telly; it looked very timid. Obviously, it was a one-way street mm-hmm. on the park, but there was not none of that traditional kind of turn and thrown between the supporters on the park as well. And I think it's negatively going to impact potential TV deals going forward.
0: Oh, a hundred percent, mate! And you have took many different avenues tonight, and I absolutely mm-hmm. love it, mate. I'm all there for it and see to be fair oh. as well if, if you're an owner of one of them clubs you're thinking money you're thinking more revenue coming into, the, into this, the the team and more money for transfers and they cry poverty but don't take as you said advantage of sporting occasions where they can make more money but look that's not our issue is it really in, in that aspect of things but what's your, your score and lineup prediction for the, the game tomorrow?
1: Uh, well I think they'll probably will maybe be um, a bit Well, naturally Hatati will be the, the forced change be interesting to see who he actually goes with. I think perhaps mm. with the fact McGregor and O'Reilly are playing the way they are. You know, he brought Iwata on as the first first pick on Sunday. So perhaps he thinks he's maybe the, the best choice on a domestic front. So I think it'll be the, the Iwata in the middle of the park for Hitati. Um is there an option? Maybe Yang for but then again, Palma's playing so well the now that it's it's hard to kind of that dropping him, um, perhaps with the fact that this is a, it's another one of those you know absolutely huge games, especially away from home. Perhaps they won't. Um, I'm saying there's going to be changes. I'm actually just going. To, I'm going to totally change my mind on that, Stephen. I'll say one change from Wednesday night, and it'll be water for Hitati, which is the fourth change. But the back four for me, the now picks itself, and I'd obviously Joe Hart and that front three right now: Kiogo, Palma, and Hattati's, um coming up trumps for us so I don't see he would change that for him um, nah, against a team like Hibs
0: Mieda. you said Hattati at a front three
1: sorry sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs>
0: good job now, what's, what's your score the
1: ball night, mate.
0: What's your <laughs> prediction
1: I'll um, oh god I, I think fingers crossed you know touch wood um, Brendan will exercise this last little kind of little unwanted piece of history he'll have and um, he'll get a positive
0: result at Easter Road, I'll go for a hassle-free 2-0. Hassle-free. Franny special. A hassle-free a Franny comfortable special that 2-0. That, that's what he loves to pick. But look, as I said to everybody, there's one more TikTok I want to show you. And I do want to remind you, is we're on that journey on TikTok. We've only started it. And again, it's just search up Endless else and hit that follow button. And we'll follow you back as well and create that community that we have on YouTube. And I want you to listen very carefully to this, oh, no, you you, to you,
1: you, you,
0: you, your ears have to be switched on. I mean, Anthony is right. To be fair, it's, it's obvious, but I have a laugh at this one.
1: Probably savvy, Great. Um Which I think, I think that this group of players and the players that we, the, the players that we end up bringing in, will be used to playing more than one, even two. I think there might be a time during certain games we change formation and systems and positions on the part three, four times and. You just fought. All of these guys are going to be very comfortable doing it, so... I agree. What are we going to do? Act ah, natural. Yeah, you know what I'm like, Wally? I always... Why, answer, why call a spade a spade when you can call it a sharp implemented <laughs> piece of garden equipment. <laughs> um, I, think, um, I yeah, think I think I I, just, I think... Like, I think uh, we'll, go, we'll go. Everybody stay calm! What's, what's the
0: procedure, procedure, everyone? What's
1: the procedure? Stay f- calm! Wait, I think we'll be a big player for us this, this season. What <laughs> John.
0: What
1: do you think about this? What do you think about this? Why do you think that? I no, I shouldn't be here to keep rolling, man. away It's like Sky Sports News. Oh, my God. What do you think, man? I think the lesson we have to learn, poor, poor Ross, man. He, he, he must have thought, you know, nothing's going to pack that up. Uh, if, if you're w- looking for good sound quality, whatever j- microphone John brought that day, it clearly picks up everything. Uh, but honestly, oh. it, it, it's when you grab Freddy's shoulder, man. <laughs> <try> <laughs> to <hold>
0: it <laughs> it's one of the best laughs I've ever had. And Willie, fair first played a Willie, just remained focused on that. I, I was, balling, of I was a professional. I couldn't, I couldn't even speak. It was fantastic, but. As I said, everybody watching along, hit that follow button and TikTok. There's going to be more videos. Willie's done a fantastic job of editing all our stuff and putting wee funny clips in that. It's just a, another journey that we're taking part in. Anthony. and this podcast is over. Have you enjoyed it?
1: Oh, absolutely brilliant, mate! As I say, obviously, you know, I'm um, usually usually on a, on a Monday night, um, but it was kind of nice sometimes just to hang with back. Works over for the week, and uh, aye, it's a brilliant time. Obviously, talking about. Brilliant performance on on Wednesday night, and uh, you're hoping for a for a win tomorrow. But um, I, as I say, I don't. I've I've created a TikTok just so I can you know tune into the, the you know the, the the channel. But um, I don't, I, I couldn't even tell the the folk tuning in what where, it, where to find it. But um, if he's a lot more of that, I know while he's um, he's on the ball and he's going to try and do a wee bit of editing and stuff. Um, so Nick over to TikTok and followers. I think it's just at endless Selps or something, isn't it? Yeah, them, that's it. If you if he's want to watch those uh, horror shows again, but uh, <laughs> absolutely brilliant, man. And as I said, um, one of the other funny things I have to say about that it's not even just it's your reaction, but it's uh, it's John's reaction as well. Just as as if he's like he's if he's like the gaffer just <laughs> raging, just raging it as all. <laughs> absolutely brilliant, man. but hey, that's the that's the madness that happens when you're uh, when you're with us. This oh, is not man, it's, a polished
0: it's, it's, production. Oh, <laughs> polished? Far from it. You can't polish the tournament, but I'm here. I've been fairly enjoyed tonight. Well, no be like one squeeze out right, enough.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but until uh, Monday at half, half eight on, on YouTube, After hopefully we get a good result, as you said, banishing the demons that Rogers has faced at Easter Road, and hopefully we keep that gap at seven points. It'd be fantastic. Until then, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail.